0: Um, we are going to be starting the foundation series today, and it is something that um, the elders and I have been talking and praying about for some time, and we have just been, and I have definitely been asking just for clarity and just for simplicity, that we make sure that we are laying this foundation of this, I'm sorry, What? Oh, yes. Children. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. It's like, is there something on my head? I couldn't tell what he was doing. <laughs> I need smoke signals. Yes. foundation series of our most holy faith, and you guys go ahead and turn really quick to Hebrews chapter 6. We're going to be going through a lot of scriptures today, and I'm using the New King James Version, Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go on to perfection. I like the um, other word maturity better. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, of faith towards God, of the doctrine of baptisms, plural, the laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And this we will do, if God permits. So, Father, we just uh, thank you for your word, Lord, that has made it through all these thousands and thousands of years. Lord, we have your word in our hands, and we are so thankful for that. And we just pray that today, Lord, that you will give us, Lord, the spirit of revelation, to understand, Lord, what is ours in Christ. By your Holy Spirit, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So these this series is probably going to go on for at least um, two to two and a half months. And in between, like on I believe it's going to be the twenty eighth of this month, we're going to have a group Petra come in. And um so in between there will be other things that are still going on, but I really believe and we really believe as uh, elders and leaders that we need to make sure that we are founded on the rock and that, you know, as we keep hearing it's like there's dark clouds and things are getting really wild out there, but we want to make sure that, um, you know, as your fellow brothers and people who are charged with, looking over your lives, um, that you guys know what this is, that you know that you are founded on the rock, and that there won't be any questions about it. So, when we look at the Christian life, um, there are many different metaphors that it's used for. One of them is a soldier, uh, a farmer, An athlete, a field, but in particular, what we're going to be talking about today is a building. And the believer is responsible to be built into a dwelling place for the Lord. If you guys go ahead and turn to Jude, Jude 20 and 21. Jude 20 and 21. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So, that is part of... Our responsibility as we grow and mature in the Lord that we do build, but we gotta make sure that the foundation is set first before we begin to build on it. You guys go ahead and turn to Ephesians two twenty two. I'm going to back it up a little bit in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 18. For through him we have both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself, being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a habitation of God in the Spirit. That's some heady stuff right there. Um, But we need to, as we are making our way through this life, That we have that eternal perspective that it is not just this life that we are to be concerned with, but in the one that is to come. We have got to fix our hope on that. That this, the things that are seen are temporary. Sickness, death, disappointment, elections being lost. You guys could turn to First Peter, too. This is First Peter, Chapter Two. Let me go ahead and start with verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted of the Lord, and that he is good and he is gracious, coming to him as to a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And again, we're seeing that the role, that metaphor of a building you know, living stones. I remember as a police officer up in Highlands, it's like, I love it up there. It's great. Not a lot like Atlanta um, policing there, but I had a lot more time to kind of uh, observe what people were doing, sort of just rushing from one call to the next. And I was always amazed um, watching some of the stonemasons up there as they would stack rock and how quick they were just like, Just smack them together with like a hammer, knocking off chisels, fitting it, taking it out, hitting other pieces together and stuff. And what a picture of that is of um, the Lord in our life as we allow him to knock off those edges so we can fit in his building. It's not our building. It's his building for his purpose, for his glory. So, yes, pieces are getting knocked off. Amen. Okay. Don't grieve those pieces that are on the ground. Sometimes those are our favorite parts of us. But uh, let it go. There's something much better. You guys go ahead and turn to Acts 20. Acts 20, verse 32. This is Paul, and he's getting ready to leave. And I I think this is uh, to the Ephesians, um, the church in Ephesus. And it is one of his probably most dear and successful churches that he founded. And they're realizing now, and he's realizing that this is the end. They're not going to see him any longer in this life. So it's, it's a tearful goodbye. So in verse 32, it says, And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who've been sanctified. And, you know, Paul had such a dear and close relationship with, with these men and with these women that he helped introduce the gospel. And he began to see Jesus being formed in each one of them. But he also knew that this was the last time that he was going to see them. And these, you know, when we look at Jesus when he was getting ready to go and be crucified, the things that he prayed about, um, these were the things that, that Paul was on his heart. I'm going to go ahead and read this again. Brethren, I commend you to God and the word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. These words are so important. We need to be built up. We need to continue to grow and to mature. And one of the things about a foundation or a building before you even begin to put up trusses and do all the other work that you need to do for it is that you need to lay the foundation. As Derek Prince said, this "is you cannot build a more successful Christian life than your foundation will permit." And I get the sense, you know, with our church, those who are here and those who are listening who aren't feeling well. Or whoever might be out there might just click on on YouTube or whatever. That um, a lot of their Christian life has been a lot of stop and go, doing good a couple steps, falling back a little bit more, but not really progressing, not really maturing, in coming to a close relationship with the Lord. There's a lot of, I think one of the words I could think of in my own life is frustration. Um, it was like, why am I not doing better? I've been walking with God for so long. But at the same time, too, I feel like I'm just spinning my wheels. So don't be disheartened by that. We've got to make sure that this foundation is laid very secure first before we begin to build on it. And I remember uh, Joey D, um, he had preached... A couple of months ago about boot camp and, you know, he didn't know about any of this stuff that we we're going to preach about. None of it. And but how important is that as a soldier before you go out, before they give you a weapon, before you can learn to take commands and to do what your commanding officer wants you to do, you've got to go through boot camp. And I believe for the Marines, is it like 12 to 16 weeks? Somewhere around there. So, and I thought about it, I was like, yeah, that's, that's very true. And then I, my mind just began to kind of meditate on that, and I thought about my own life. Um, having go through a police academy in uh, Gwinnett County in Georgia, that was six months um, before they let me out on the street. And on top of that, there was an additional three months where I'd have to go with an older officer. They called him a field training officer. Where I'd have to train alongside of them to make sure as I'm slowly watching them and how they act as a police officer, how they handle calls, how they speak with people, I begin to pick up on those things. Because the things that were taught in the academy are great, but once you get out on the, the streets, it's a little bit different. It just is reality and life begin to hit. So, And I began to think of my own life, this is like they would have never have ever just taken a person who's like, I just want to be a cop. It's like, okay, well, here's your here's your car. Here's the keys. Here's your weapons in the radio. Now go ahead and start answering calls. Have a good day. Could you imagine the chaos that would go on? No matter how good their intentions might be, no matter how they think, well, it's like, well, I saw this on, uh, you know, Columbo one time or, uh, you know, CSI. It's a special show. Um, I can go out there and do this because I, I, I've got a good heart about this. I think I've got an idea how to do this. The amount of damage that could be done by an untrained officer or an untrained soldier uh, would be tremendous. And how much more? Okay, just hear me. How much more in our own lives, as Christians? It's like we expect that for athletes to go through training, diet, being disciplined when they get up, when they go to sleep. For our soldiers, for cops, teachers, whatever profession you go in, you got to put the time in. You got to do that, and I'm not talking about just works. You got to work your salvation. That's a free gift of God, okay? But we got to understand that there is a process that goes along with this. And if we do not get beyond the foundation, you know, the Lord's not going to allow these other building projects to be going on in you. He just will not. And there's great damage that's been done to people who've been thrown out there as baby Christians. I've seen it so many times in my middle-aged life. Where they start getting all this responsibility and all the spotlights on them, and they crumble and wilt under the pressure. They're not ready for that yet. It takes time. All right. Back to the foundation. Hallelujah. There is only one foundation, and it's a person, Jesus Christ. Thank God that we are not that foundation. Thank God. 1 Corinthians 3. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 9. up. I like this. I'm, I do that a lot. Forgive me. Verse 5. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one, I planted. Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He gave the growth. So then, neither he who plants... Is anything, nor is he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So again, the wonderful thing about the Bible... I know it's so many, for like new Christians, it is daunting looking at this. Um, but I'll tell you what. The Old Testament points towards Jesus. The New Testament points towards Jesus and reveals Him. It all speaks of Jesus Christ. Every single bit of it. Even in Nehemiah, yes. Places like Nehemiah, it speaks of Christ. And I would have loved to have heard that preaching or teaching that Jesus gave to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, where he preached from the beginning all the way to the end about him. I would have loved there. That would have been a great sermon to look at and stuff. But it is. Just keep it simple. It's all about him. And not our own projects and what we think is best. Just for a moment, I just want to kind of share this, that I make sure that I'm not making this too overcomplicated for you guys. I remember when I went down to Florida to live with my father, I was five or six years old, and I remember seeing something in my dad that I couldn't describe I'm not sure what it was. I couldn't understand it. But the best way I could describe it is that my dad had something that I didn't have. And I had no idea what that was. So I asked, like, Dad, what? He's like, why are you the way that you are? You know, as best as a little six year old could ask. And he introduced me to Jesus. And. I remember our, it was a bunk bed in the back room, and I was on the bottom bunk, and Dad sat next to me, and he led me and introduced me to Jesus as I confessed Him. Do you think I understood the ramifications <laughs> and how deep and how far and how wide that was concerning that salvation? No. I still don't fully. It is incredible. How wonderful the salvation is. But through faith and confessing with my mouth, Jesus took me as his own. Forty years ago. A long time ago. And he is faithful. It's like, well, you you know, did you understand the (laughs) toxology and all the things about the Holy Spirit and the Trinity? And I was like, I didn't understand all those things. He took me for who He was. And He received me. And whether you were six or you're 69 years old, and however simple that prayer is, that confession that you make, um, be humble enough to take that opportunity. He takes you where you're at. If you guys would go ahead and turn to Matthew Sixteen, Seth. I hope I'm not burning you up back there. You all right? Okay, he's waving. Matthew sixteen. Matthew sixteen, starting with verse thirteen. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, some said, John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And He said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say that you, Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church in the gates of Hades, or hell, shall not prevail against it. So, here we have that situation where, I believe in any believer's life, there is that confrontation where he is revealed to you. And he's going to ask the question, who do you say that I am? And did Peter understand what he was saying? That was revealed by the Father. He says, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, Peter. He still blessed them anyway because of it. And some would say here, I'm not going to get often the controversies in verse 18, but I think it needs to be said um, that some people in verse 18 think that Peter is the rock and that the church is built upon him. Um, it's, that's actually, I think it's Petros. It's like a small stone or like maybe a boulder at the most. What he's talking about is him, Jesus. He is that rock, Petra. You know, that giant rock built on the bedrock. So not to offend, but that is the truth right there. So and as someone said, it's like well, if we had Peter as our foundation, it would be a pretty wobbly church. Because it wasn't too much later where Jesus called Peter Satan. So Thank God that it is not him that the church is built upon. And I just want to kind of divert for a second, because there are so many voices out there right now who are offering different options of Jesus. And I usually see it happen maybe two or three times a year, especially around Christmas, especially around Easter. You start seeing magazines and all types of documentaries start coming out about who was Jesus. You know, the question they've been asking for 2,000 years. And I'll tell you what, the world has its own ideas of who Jesus is. And it does not line up with Scripture at all. And I remember as, when I was younger, um, there was a, a horrible movie what a piece of garbage it was. I didn't see it. It's called The Last Temptation of Christ. Uh, came out in 1988. And, um, of course, it won tons of awards, and people just fell over themselves because they thought it was so incredible and insightful. Basically, it was just like an old lie. Basically saying that uh, Jesus really wasn't the Son of God, that um, he married Mary Magdalene, and they had a bunch of kids, Blah blah blah, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so in 1988, they came out with that movie. Despite all the protesting that went on and the anger in the Christian community um, because of the obvious blasphemy, uh, that movie only made eight million um, dollars. it's based on a, a book back in 1955 called "The Last Temptation of Christ." So the world has its own views because it does not want this man. That's in the Bible. It does not want this one. It does not want a Lord. Not even 20 years later, let me back up a little bit. In 2003, a book came out from Mr. Dan Brown called The Da Vinci Code. And it was basically the same sort of premise, but it was a lot slicker how he did it. A lot more crafty. Because he could kind of hem and haw and say, well, this is kind of like historical Jesus, but not really. And um, just a lot more, I don't know what you want to call it. But people gobbled that up. Um, and that year alone, they said that 80 million copies of that book were sold. Basically saying that Jesus was not the Son of God. That he was just a regular old dude that... Had some kids with Mary Magdalene and started all the European uh, kingdoms in, in Europe through his bloodline. When the movie came out in 2008, the movie made $760 million. And I was like, I, was, I, I enjoy doing the research. I was like, but Lord, it's like, I don't want to just be spouting off statistics up here. It's like, what What can I deliver? What is the, the you think the main thrust of this, Lord? And he goes, people doing what they want to do, having itching ears. They are creating Jesus in their own image. And in a short period from 1988 to 2006, I mean, it's not even a generation, the amount of people now who don't want to have to do with the Lord, but with just some guy or a nice Jesus, has exploded over this time. People are wanting just to hear that. They don't want the Jesus of the Bible. They don't want a king. The world does not want a king. They're going to get at some other king later on. That's the one they're going to get, but that's for another teaching. Jesus is the rock in which we are to build our lives upon. And that's that. We don't care what Hollywood or the media or this world system has to say about it. We reject it. We make our stand with him against these things. So don't get swayed. Don't feel the pressure to want to, well, give in a little bit. Don't. I beg you guys, do not. It's kind of like high school all over again. Sometimes when you get in the world, the peer pressure is there still. So learn to say no. Learn to reject which is wrong, but believe and receive which is true. So we look the four successful phases of Jesus when he spoke with Peter. Confrontation. Revelation. The revelation came from the Father through the Holy Spirit that Jesus is the Son of God. And then Peter, he acknowledged, he confessed with his mouth that he was Lord, that he was the Messiah. And it is so important that we do, when we believe something in his word, that when something God is doing in our life, we need to testify... I am all for living a Christian life and people being able to see it. However, and I don't know if it's equal or what, I don't know, but I would say it's equally as important that we speak these things, that we say them, that we confess them. There is power in His Word. And He lives in us. Turn to Hebrews thirteen, Hebrews thirteen, verse eight, Hebrews thirteen. Verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines. Hmm, We're just reading that. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. Not with foods, which would profit of those who have been occupied with them. So, Again, be careful of what you're building on. You guys could turn to Matthew 7. You guys are very familiar with this teaching of Jesus, Matthew seven twenty four, Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, he who, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, Not on him. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now, everyone who hears these things, these sayings of mine, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So, again, we look at how important it is that as new believers, as disciples, as we're becoming bond servants, as we're maturing and moving on in the things of God, one, being able to recognize His voice. Not only is we need to get into the Word, but Jesus is also the eternal living Word. We need to recognize His voice from the other voices that are out there. Not just hear Him and recognize it, but begin to do it. And I'll tell you, as a parent, and my parents can vouch for this too, I'm very sure, mom's in the back, hey. How frustrating it can be to tell your kids the same thing over and over and over again, and them kind of doing it. And then doing it, but then not doing it. And it's like, when will this kid ever listen? You know, but of course, when I was a kid, I was perfect. I listened the first time and (laughs) obeyed. It's like, no, I did not. Um, I like to do things the, the stupid way, my way. But hearing God's Word and doing it. And sometimes it feels like we can't. His grace is there, it is sufficient for us to do that. And I just wanted you guys to be reminded of one other thing as I'm I'm talking about this is kind of dropped to my spirit. There are a lot of things that God is working on in our lives right now. There's a lot of things that are going on. We sang about that, how he's always working. He is. And there are things in us that God needs to remove and put in, into us. But I'll tell you what, in my own experience, and from what I can see in His Word, He's not going to be giving you like 64,000 things to do at once. Here's all the things that are wrong with you, and then He just walks off. Or 12 or 50 things that are wrong with your character. He will work on these things one thing at a time with you. I just believe that. The enemy, however, will come in like a flood. bringing up everything that you've done wrong, and he's correct. Because he is a master prosecutor. He knows what you've done that is wrong. And he will bring those things up over and over and over again. This thing you've done, and you need to do this. And you need to figure this thing out. And you're just chasing your tail, wondering what the heck happened. He comes in like a flood. But by the power of Jesus and His blood, that is not the way our Lord operates. He is long-suffering, and He is patient. And we need to look to Him, just as Moses, when he lifted that serpent in the desert, after those people mumbled and grumbled and complained, and he sent the fiery serpents against them. He didn't tell them to go out and was like, well, hurry up and get the anti-venom. He fashioned a bronze serpent and he held it up. And everyone who looked at that, everyone who looked at that were healed. And Jesus is the same way. We cannot run around thinking that we can fix ourselves. We have to look to him. We have to look as he is lifted up, just like the serpent was. As he is lifted up, we will get that healing. It is his great work. That wasn't in my notes. So, anyway. (laughs) If you go to Luke 6.46... Again, yeah, this is talking about parable of the two foundations. Jesus speaking to his disciples saying, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard this did nothing. It's like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, and against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. And it is very similar to the parable that's in Matthew. And I was wondering if you guys... Kind of saw the, there's like a little difference in there, in this one. This is going to require your participation. A little difference. People who've been doing Billy's discipleship, what was the difference? I heard, it sounded like dug deep. Yes. And this one, The builder had to dig deep and then lay the foundations on the rock. So my mind went to John the Baptist and the things that he did during his ministry. You know, we talked about John a couple months ago and his great work was bringing the children of Israel back to repentance through baptism, confessing of the sins. And there were things that needed to get out of the way. It's like make straight the way of the Lord. Get these obstacles out of the way. Make it a clear path so you're not stumbling over these things. And there are things in our life, you know, when we come to the Lord, there are ideas and thoughts and philosophies that do not line up with His Word. Do not line up with who Jesus really is. You know, it could be some sort of, you know, Traditions. And I'm not saying all traditions are bad. But some of them do keep us from seeing who Jesus really is, though. You know, some of the preconceptions that we have of Jesus. I know one of them, the ones that I heard growing up, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He was meek and mild. He's coming back as the lion, though. He is. You know, and other people, like we talked about before with Dan Brown and that horrible movie before. um, He's not just a man out there doing what he wants. He did the Father's will. That is a huge difference right there between these phonies and our Savior. And no, I won't apologize for saying phonies. Some of those things we need to get out of the way as we're laying that foundation is unbelief. And that is something that I have struggled with as a Christian over my life is unbelief. And it is not a fun thing to wrestle with. I'll tell you what, one of the best things the Lord told me in having good counsel and good parents the unbelief, it's just like you have to become sometimes like that little child again and just come to him as you are. Don't try to overcomplicate it. Don't try to think that it's something that it's not. Just confess it for what it is. Just like that poor guys. It's like, I do believe, Lord. Help me in my unbelief. That was enough for Jesus to do something. Don't overcomplicate these things. He knows exactly where you are and what you need. We're beginning to wrap things up. If you guys need to get like a drink, don't feel bad. If you need to get some water and stuff, that's fine. I'm not gonna be offended. And again, we want to turn to John ten thirty five concerning the word and our attitude about his word John 10 Let's start with verse 31 and then the Jews took up stones again to stone Jesus. Jesus answered them, He says, Many good works have I shown you from my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? I love his sense of humor. The Jews answered him saying, For a good work we are not going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus answered them says, Is it not written in your law? I said, You are God's. I'm not going to go into the whole thing behind that right now, I just want you to kind of grasp a hold of this right here. And if he called them gods to whom the word of God came, and the scriptures cannot be broken. I want to stop right there. That the scripture, this written word of God that's been revealed to us, um, cannot be broken. It's going to fulfill everything that's written in it. It's going to finish its great work that God has for us in his life. The scripture cannot be broken. This holy word will never be broken by the philosophies of men or by this world system or by Satan himself. The scriptures cannot be broken. And these people who are out there who mock God, who make fun of the Bible, who do those type of things. The Scripture won't be broken, but they will. And that's the horrible truth. There is time to repent. But eventually, those people will be broken for what they've done. So again, we look at Jesus. He is the Word of God. The Scriptures, those written words that came from God through fallible men, For thousands of years. Everything in here is gonna be complete. Finally, turn to John one one. In the beginning was the word. Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, Jesus, was in the beginning with God. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is God. He's not just a prophet or a teacher. He's not some ascended master. He's not an angel. He has always existed. And by his words, everything that we see was created. And everything that's unseen was created by him. For his good pleasure. That is the Jesus that I serve. The one I believed in 40 years ago. And still follow to this day. But I just wanted to make sure that as we begin sometimes this kind of long process of teaching. That. It's kind of a humbling process in a way. Because when you think of a foundation, guys, it's like, do you see the foundation of this building at all? No, oh, It's down beneath. And God is doing that it work. It's not out in the open, you know, on American Idol or some show or on Facebook, wherever we can see it. And your wrinkles are scrubbed out and stuff. And it's like, wow, how would you look 25 years younger? Um, God's work is done in secret, a lot of that. Not so we can just receive the praises of men and women, but receive the praise that comes from God. And we want to make sure that this foundation, that this great foundation, this salvation that we are speaking of, is so clear to you guys, is so clear. It is not the way the world does it. It just isn't. Thank God. Thank God. And just as you're sitting there, if there's any of you that are unsure whether you are born again, and if you've got to ask that question, you're not born again. I'm sorry. But we can fix that today. We can do something about that today. But just consider these words that come from His Holy Word. Consider them. They don't change ever. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just commit these words and these people in this time to you. That you, Lord, are making and creating that great work in each of these clay vessels. These living stones. This building that's being put together for you to dwell in. Thank You. Lord, help us, Lord, to remain faithful to You and to believe. And if we need to, help us to become like that little child again and just believe and come to Him. Bless Your name, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.